Hello and welcome to Geek Space 9, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me as always is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? My cat woke me up three hours before my alarm today. <laughs> Very cranky. <laughs> it's fine. And we also have Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I am off work today, so I got to wake up three hours after my alarm usually goes off. So Sarah got so Sarah lost three hours, and I gained three hours. <laughs> well, I don't often talk about myself, but I feel like I have to mention something that I did, which is that I went to uh, an event at CineFamily they do every year called the Five Minute Game, where they show five minutes of twelve terrible, terrible movies. The first five minutes. And then the audience collectively votes on which movie they want to watch all of. That uh, sounds really cool. It was a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, the ending was incredible. Uh, it was like the perfect movie you only want to see five minutes of because it looked like a cheap Italian ripoff. Well, I mean, those were all Italian movies, but of a spaghetti Western. That turned into a gay porn at the end. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Where this guy like does a shootout and he's like, now I'm going to fuck you in the ass. And then it just like oh the God. last shot is him spitting on his own thing, and then like it coming right at the camera, and it's like whoa! And everyone lost their minds. But I bring this up because we watched a fabulous movie that I think everyone should watch called "Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man." That is the actual legitimate title of the film. It is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. It is about two cops who are actually basically serial killers because they never arrest anybody. They only murder everybody. Okay. It is a masterpiece of Italian schlock. So if you can track that movie down, I highly, highly recommend it. But we are not talking about Italian schlock. We are talking about heady sci-fi, as always, (laughs) as we watch Deep Space Nine, Season 4, Episode 23, and Episode 24, which is To the Death and The Quickening. So first up is To the Death. After a dick-measuring contest between Bashir and Worf on the Defiant, they are called to red alert when they discover DS9 is badly damaged. They learn that Jim Hadar set off an unprovoked attack, bombing the upper pylon to distract while stealing science and medical equipment, and then escaping. Sisko and the crew chase after them while Bashir stays behind to tend to the wounded. The Defiant has trouble tracking the ship, but comes across a wounded Jim Hadar attack vessel. Worf notes that he can't. This can't be the ship that attacked DS9, as they came aboard a civilian vessel. The Defiant beams aboard the Jem Hadar, and their Vorta master sons their weapons. The Vorta Weyun speaks with Sisko and tells him of the situation. Recently, Dominion scientists discovered an Iconian gateway, a super science magic wibbly wobbly device of infinite power that can transport anyone anywhere instantaneously. The Dominion were researching it to do, what else, take control of the universe, but the Jem'Hadar rebelled, killing their Vorta masters and attempting to take control of the Gateway themselves. Wayun and his team were tasked with killing the rebels, who were the ones who attacked DS9 and injured their ship. Sisko and Wayun agreed to have their teams work together, and a wacky sitcom was born. The crew agreed to keep the nature of the Gateway secret from the Jem'Hadar aboard, as it would cause them to revolt. As they travel, tensions rise amongst the two teams. 
Ometeklan, the leader of the Jem'Hadar, distrusts Sisko for his supposed weak sense of command, while Toman Tarax mocks Worf and all Klingons as weak, useless fighters. Ometeklan, displeased that the Federation officers value their lives over victory, and he notes that despite their addiction to white, he believes true Jem'Hadar must serve the Dominion above all else. He also informs Wei Yun that his people already know of the gateway, and they are only on the mission to kill off the Jim Hadar renegades. During dinner, Worf and Toman Tarax come to blows. Ometiklan punishes Toman by killing him on the spot, and he demands Sisko do the same to Worf, but Sisko merely confines Worf to quarters. Outraged, Ometiklan tells Sisko if he will not kill Worf, then he will kill Sisko instead to take his place. They reach the planet and beam aboard, but the gateway causes their weapons to malfunction. Ometiklan expects Sisko to retreat, but he pushes forward. During the battle, Sisko pushes Ometiklan out of the way of an attack, getting injured in the process. They defeat the renegades and blow up the station. Weyun congratulates them and goes to inspect the remains, but Ometiklan notices that he has something on his face, so he blows it away with his phaser. Retribution for him doubting the Jim Hadar loyalty. Ometiklan, however, spares Sisko, honored by his bravery in battle, but warns him next time they meet, it could well be on opposing sides of a battlefield. What do we think of To the Death? I find this episode interesting, um, most, m- most, mostly, mostly because uh, I, 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 was, I was actually watching... Um, uh, to the death and the and the quickening with my, with my start with my Star Trek friend who's who I will say for the umpteenth time is very happy is very happy that that, that, we, that we are that we, that we are doing this and he and he always love he always loves like have me over and watch episodes with them and so just hearing and so like they were like certain characters whenever they were on screen he'd be like ah, 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 looking at me and it's like if you spoil anything <laughs> at all anything at all I'll punch you in the throat. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and 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 so and and grant and grant and granted he did uh, and granted he did but but I, but I won't say anything about I won't say anything about what happens in the future but um I, but but he but he emphasized he emphasized several times Wayun is important so <laughs> like interesting like I won't say why but Wayun is important yeah I uh, I like this episode a decent amount um. It was an interesting experience to have the two sides having to work together in an unnatural alliance. I always enjoy stories that do this, and it gave us a good opportunity to learn more about uh, the Jim Hardar just sort of on a day-to-day basis, which I always find uh, interesting. I found this episode a little bit more uh, enjoyable than the actual episode, which I think was called Jim Hadar or the offspring or something like that i can't remember but it was the one where they find the baby jim hadar that becomes an adult and i found that episode a little more boring and just exposition dump for the uh for what the jim hadar do but this one felt a lot more natural and conversational which i appreciated uh very true and yeah, so no, that's I, what i, I think that's right ben yeah uh got me more interested in this episode than than the other ones but i'm curious sarah what did you think of this episode um, I think I shouldn't have watched this episode when I was recovering from an illness. <laughs> clearly, I just don't remember very much, and I didn't take very many notes on it either. Um, Same, I stopped halfway for some strange reason. Yeah. I totally forget why. 
So I don't know. I really don't have a lot to say about this episode, except I remember that gateway thing. Was Didn't they bring that up in some uh, previous iteration of Star Trek? Yes, it is from the TNG episode Contagion, season mm. two, episode 11, where, uh, yes, they find it and the Romulans want it in that case, in that episode. And uh, it has like the gateway, like basically just like is just a door that like would go like to it would jump to like the enterprise and then we jump to another thing and jump to another thing and then something about data having to take it over and he got zapped by it and he could talk in their language ah well well it, well, it does make sense that it does make sense that that it was uh the romulans who found it because it, because the gateway in this episode is in the, is in the romulan neutral zone so there you go oh. continuity connection yay good job star trek <laughs> <laughs> i love continuity porn it always makes me happy. There's a whole subreddit called Continuity Porn, which is just like the best continuity in TV shows or movies. Like, Why does yeah. that not surprise me in the slightest? It's It's great. It's great. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode mostly for the sort of little moments. The whole battle and the, the gateway and all that was not that interesting. It was more just sort of learning more about the Dominion. Like we have this nice little moment with Jadzia talking with this guy <laughs> you get all like oh my God, yes yeah wonderful revelations where she says you know they don't have women and they don't have they only live till they're like eight <laughs> you know and they're like they, they live don't sleep they don't sleep they don't eat they're they're like warriors solely i mean Jadzia was all about the women in this episode <laughs> she keeps like <laughs> interjecting she's like and women <laughs> 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 yes, no, no, Jim had our women since they are born from tubes, from what I understand. Mm, so she alas. was like, What is the line? She says, No sleep, no women, no rest. How do you live? Essentially, yep. And they only live to the and they only live till, till they're 30, like about 30, and that's it. And, and that one Jemadar warrior is, is like, Well, how old are you? <laughs> She's like, I don't know, whatever she said, like 800 I stopped, or something, she said and I, he was just dumbfounded. She said, I stopped counting at 300. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Jadzia, you know, you just don't want to be, you just don't want to yes. tell people. Being a lady. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Li- I like. Um. Kind of to piggyback off of you, Ben. Like the the, the little moments throughout. I I did like how there was basically just a bunch like a bunch of little mini Mexican standoffs like, like in, in the in the whole throughout the whole episode where it's just like we are at an impasse. How are we going to do this? Wait, because if we are, you know exactly how this is going to go. Yes. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my seconds neck. You're going to send yours to time out. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And. uh Again, I like that we're we're expanding more on the whole Jim Hadar losing faith with the uh, Vorta and the Dominion element, right. which is very interesting. Yeah, that I th- I think it expanded the Jim Hadar a little bit more. That they are still very much focused on uh, loyalty, but even they'll kill Vorta if they don't beat their loyal. <laughs> like it's such a weirdly warped view of loyalty they found very good and the the scene i thought was the best scene in the the episode was they have this sort of interesting white ceremony which i enjoyed Mm. where like the vorta has to give out this stuff but they have to say this incredibly cult-like disturbing shit where he's like he used to be like they have to pledge their loyalty each time 
but the vortex just doing it so banally and like doesn't care at all and this like he's just like and eh, praise the dominion blah 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 and it reminded me sort of like uh uh a creepier version of like the Pledge of Allegiance or something like that, which I always found <laughs> slightly oh, yeah. creepy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and and it's a similar way of like just the banality of the control they have. And I thought that was a really, really good little bit of storytelling. And and those sort of moments mm-hmm. kept the the episode interesting for me. Not that it's creepy. Or, but, well, granted, I'm a Texan, so I don't find it creepy. But uh, but, but but how but how 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 you bring up how it's like this really creepy ritual thing that that they have to say just to get the white. That's probably like and how like it's like this is kind of fucking weird. That's probably how anyone who's not from Texas will have like no understanding that throughout grade school we pledge allegiance to the flag and then to the Texas flag. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> And somehow we all know. So ridiculous. I think we're the only state that knows its state song. Like uh, deep in the heart. Of, I don't know if deep in the heart of Texas is the state song, but every damn Astros game well I went to. Is it? Now I've got to look this up. I feel like there's a song that goes like Texas, our Texas. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, how but, I mean it's but like, the, it's that like one doesn't have claps. Texas. That one doesn't have you right. know. Stars. I mean, like, I mean deep, deep in the heart, heart of Texas, Texas is damn catchy. Right, and, and even if you, and even if you don't necessarily know the words like me, if it comes on, you still know exactly when to clap. Oh yeah. In the heart of Texas. Same. Right, you just like, like, like <laughs> because Im- Im- imagine be imagine being at a UT football game and that game and that song comes on and you just have an entire a stadium of people just like thunderous clap all on key and the, and 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 mean and meanwhile and meanwhile of course i'm clapping but 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 in the back in the back of my mind i'm just like this is probably one of the few songs that all white people will clap on beat every time <laughs> by the way fun fact texas our texas is in fact the state song yeah. i was right gotcha wow. and uh i actually don't know how it goes beyond the first three words uh so <laughs> Deep we are bad Texans. Nope. Yeah, this is right. No, nope, deep, deep in the heart, heart should be the song. <laughs> we, we are good Texans because we know that one. <laughs> or even the Yellow Rose of Texas because we know that one too. Mm-hmm. The Yellow Rose of Texas. Da 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 da. I don't know the words, but I know the tune. We are to really. Our dear listener, if you if you were at all if you were at all before confused about where the three of us are from, let let us remind you <laughs> we are from Texas, the Lone Star State, <laughs> aka the best state in the U.S. Just saying. Darn tune. I thought yellow isn't yellow rose Texas tune stolen like the uh, national anthem is stolen, which is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Or not yeah. My, not the, the national, national anthem. anthem is a British drinking song. Yeah, and then um, uh. America the Beautiful is taken from God Save the Queen, which is like the biggest fuck you yes. I've ever heard. Which is yes. no, it's not America the Beautiful. It's um, Our, um what's yeah, you know, of the, the ice, um, let freedom ring. Wait, what the fuck is this song? Uh-huh. It's too early for this. This is why we don't record in the morning. So. <laughs> this is true. Ben of the future, please edit in robot voice saying what this song is. Ben's, ben, Ben's editing, Ben's edit, editing voice comes sailing in. My country, tis of thee. <laughs> yes, yes, thank that's you. what it is. It's God save the queen, indeed. <laughs> yep. I might put in Jeopardy music while we're trying to determine this. <laughs> yes. Softly in the <laughs> All right, let's get back on track to the episode. I know <laughs> some of us aren't the most hype about it, but I have a few more things I want to bring up. Um, 
another little moment I liked, which is so O'Brien it hurts, is that O'Brien records a death message every time he goes. Oh into my god, battle. that that scene! I was just like, wow, that's that that that, that I, I I liked that conversation between between him and Dax. It was really sweet. Yeah, thank, thank exactly exactly that. It, it, it was it was a sweet moment, especially especially at the end, especially at the end when 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 O'Brien asked Dax, "Is like, well, what about you?" And she's like, "I record one for my mother." Aww. Mm-hmm. That's funny to think that Dax has a mom, or Jadzia technically has a mom. I never thought about it. She's only like in her Jad, what twenties, yeah, right? Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, like yeah, like like yeah, Jad, like Jadzia, like like Jadzia, like her form. She's like, she's about our age a little a little older yeah but dax is like no you're a few hundred years old you've lived for a long ass time <laughs> also uh just a note that uh, jeffrey coombs is back he's weyoon in this episode so we continue to see Bam. jeffrey show up as every alien in every episode so just oh, note i would that. also i would also like to know uh lavar burton directs this episode yes he did yes he did so is there anything else? Yay, Jordy. Is there anything else to say for uh uh to the death? Not for me. I want these portals to become like a threat at some point in the future. Like now like mm. now, now like now that now that now that they're like now that they've been like brought up brought up, I want them to become like some kind of a, of some kind of ma- minor or major threat in the future. It's a very Bioware storytelling, isn't it? Like ancient oh, civilization God, yes. built doom weapon, <laughs> like everyone wants. Yep. Plot twist. Bioware actually. Bi- plot twist. Bioware actually actually got the actually got their their inspiration for the Mass Effect relays in the Mass Effect game series from these portals. It's very could possible. be. It's very honestly. Possible. See, damn, damn it. Hey, Bioware, if you're listening, a I love your games. Like, love your games. B, um, hit me up and like let me like let me know. Were you inspired by this shit? Because that would be actually be really cool to talk about. All right. Next up is the quickening. In August 1994, news broadcasts announced that the ozone layer is fading and will be completely gone in a matter of months. In Africa, millions have perished from the effects of unfiltered sunlight. Among the dead is oh. Oh, sorry. This is the synopsis to Highlander 2, The Quickening. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you did okay. there. Hang on one yeah. second. Okay, okay. here we go. After dealing with the latest Quark shenanigans, Bashir and Dax are called to a nearby planet by a distress beacon. On the planet, they discover the entire population has blue lesions on their face. A woman with red lesions collapses in front of them and asks them to take her to Trevian. Bashir tries to help her, but a man named Eperin tells them her disease has quickened and that there is no hope for her now. Assuming Trevian is a hospital, they arrive to find no medical supplies, just beds and people. They meet the man, Trevian, who explains what is going on. Years ago, their people were an advanced society who thought they could defeat the Dominion. They lost the war, their cities and cultures were destroyed, and as a visible mark to any who would defy the Dominion, they infected the entire population with the Blight. While its effects can vary from person to person, everyone dies from it eventually when the disease quickens, entering the Red Lesion phase. Trevian is one of the oldest people, and as such provides a service for the quickened, poison that kills the patient peacefully. Bashir is outraged at this and leaves. He desires to cure the people, but it seems everyone is resigned to their grim fate. 
However, he is approached by Ikoira, who is intrigued by seeing a real doctor and who is pregnant, who now and now desires to see her baby be born. Bashir works with Ikoira, who shares the food she would have saved for her death, and Bashir believes he has developed an antigen, but needs more test subjects. He goes to Eprin, who claims many have promised cures in exchange for money, but all of them were scams. To prove his selflessness, Bashir cures a boy's arm of a broken bone for free, and Eprim and others agree to help. The antigen seems to be working, but suddenly Eprim's lesions expand rapidly as he quickens at an accelerated rate. In horror, Bashir realizes the EM fields of his instruments are accelerating the disease. He shuts them off, but Eprim dies while Bashir tries in vain to resuscitate him. Dravian arrives and euthanizes the remaining patients who have all quickened. Dezia tries to console Bashir, but he admits he was arrogant to think he could cure a Dominion-engineered blight in a week on his own. As he is about to leave, Ikora meets him and tells him she's glad he came, even if now she is quickened and seems likely to die before childbirth. Kira and Dax tell Bashir they have to go, as they can't continue to hide from the Jem'Hadar who are circling the planet, but Bashir decides to stay alone to work on the cure. Ikora now is Bashir's only patient. Using non-electric equipment, he discovers there's no trace of the virus inside of her, but she is still dying. He promises to keep her alive until the baby could be safely brought to term through induced labor. Trevian arrives and offers Ikora euthanasia, but she refuses. Bashir questions why an elder and a doctor of sorts would be so okay with death, to which he responds that he has seen so much he has realized a good, unnatural death was better than a painful one. Ikoira is brought to term and delivers her baby, and to his shock, Bashir sees that it has no signs of the blight. Ikoira is happy to see her child will live, and she dies of the disease. Bashir instructs Trevian of the cure, and that while the current generation will die of the disease, future generations will not, and there is hope for a brighter future. Trevian says he will gladly give out that vaccine, and Bashir returns to DS9. Sisko congratulates Bashir on his cure, but unsatisfied, Bashir continues to work, hoping for a cure for everyone. What do we think of the quickening? It was very depressing. Yes. In a word. It was, uh, <coughs> initially, though, they kind of changed it because it's... it. Would, it was too much more of a social disease, but originally was based on apparently and a person who worked on the show dying of AIDS. And so they oh sort of like use that as a launching point to talk about how you could talk about a disease that was kind of ravaging an entire population. So yes, you're wow. right. It's very depressing because it that makes it even sadder. Wow. My God. Um, but they kind of cut out some of the more obvious AIDS metaphors since that is like, you know, also a taboo issue and you know that'd be a whole different kind of episode and they kind of want to just focus on a Bashir tries to cure a disease and not have like the extra social baggage you know what I mean um mm -hmm. yeah I like this episode a bit I have one major thing I want to talk about but we'll get there but uh yeah I, I thought it was a really interesting episode and a really uh difficult episode but a, an interesting one to watch Bashir sort of deal with the Dominion and I thought the way the disease progressed was very interesting. But yeah, what'd you guys think of this episode outside of just being sad? I mean, yeah, I, I really liked it. Oh, go ahead, Peter. 
No, I like, you, you, you can go ahead, Sarah, but, but I actually want to like just go ahead and kind of skip to what Ben wants to bring up because I, because I feel that that has to do a lot with like, you know, whether you like or dislike the episode, you know, like, if, if, if you couldn't get past it. So like, if you don't mind, like, let's yeah. just get right to it because, because yeah. it's like a meaty part it. of this episode. Yeah, I, I guess my big weird thing is I don't quite understand why Bashir a modern doctor is so anti-euthanasia that was my big thing of this episode right I have a theory on that I I would like to hear it but I'll just say my point real quick which is Mm -hmm. that I I, I've grown up around a lot of doctors and I've grown up around a lot of nurses and I've been a part of medical community on the outside um and they're all very generally pro-euthanasia if they don't want to talk about it out loud it's definitely a very touchy subject i understand why everyone has their opinion on it but i just feel in general that more doctors are for it than more people usually because doctors see death every day and doctors will tell you that people dying of a long debilitating disease sucks and is awful and so i guess that's my thing was i okay so quick rant time um i i hate when people will see a movie that has a homophobic character for instance and say the movie is automatically homophobic it could be homophobic you're not wrong it is just the case that i think a lot of people sometimes confuse a character is homophobic with a movie that is homophobic there are two different things and often having a character be against something doesn't necessarily mean that the movie is against it in fact it may be a way to set up a movie that is pro gay rights or something like that you know what i mean so in this instance, I don't know if the show is necessarily anti-euthanasia and they just want to bring it up because at the very least they'll say Trevine is definitely a fleshed out character and I'm glad at the end he was like, vaccine, great, yay! <laughs> he wasn't like, I want to kill people more, man! <laughs> like, it wasn't <laughs> that, thank God. But I I can't figure out if the show is anti-euthanasia or not and that's what I'm dealing with. Okay, I've talked long enough. Sarah, mm-hmm. what is your theory? Uh, well, my theory, I will say, only works within the context of the Star Trek universe. Um, but my theory is that Bashir, being a Starfleet medical officer, comes from a place where they've found cures for just about everything. Right. So I would imagine that euthanasia necessarily really wouldn't be a thing on earth where he's from anymore because it's just not necessary because oh well you have this disease there's a cure for that now and so for him to go to a place where there is not a cure for this horrible disease perhaps he doesn't know how to accept it because he hasn't come across it before that is pure speculation. I don't know, <laughs> obviously, what kind right. of um, terminal illnesses there are in this fictional Star Trek universe, but that would be my hypothesis. Well, to give one primary source rebuttal is that we saw mm-hmm. an episode where someone was dying and Bashir decided that it should be better that they die, which is the Vedic Burial's death episode. Vedic Burial, yeah. Ah, yes. Where he thought the that quality of life was not enough to let him continue on now he was dying so like it wasn't like but they were dying as well they just you know and he didn't euthanize him so you're right on that front so that is the only time where i would say he has in the past viewed that quality of life is not quantity of life or however you want to put it you know so anyways yeah peter what did you think of this sort of weighty issue i i I didn't 
I, I will admit I didn't think about it when I was watching the episode. It wasn't it wasn't until you brought it up uh, in, in in our chat that I was like, oh shit, you're right. But I I, th- I think I I don't I don't necessarily have an answer for it as for why he would be necessarily. But um but I think I think they tried to like kind of. I, I think I think I think I think they I think they I think they tried to kind of justify it in two ways one in two ways one one from like the very beginning of the series from like episode one if you can if you can if you can remember um when when when, when Bashir when Bashir was like super happy to be on to be on the on the space station because he because he was at like the frontier the edges of space like illnesses and diseases that the 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 prop that maybe no one has seen before and you know like he and he's gonna he's gonna go out there and be a badass maverick and like cure everything and then and then in th- and then in this episode when he when he brought up his teddy bear and how and how at one point he did like everything he could to like take care like take take care of this bear because it was like his first patient and he was trying to do everything he could to save it and so i think and i i can't, I, I think going even smaller than sarah like from Star Trek episode, but like also specifically just to this episode, um, they tried to let they. I think I think they wanted to give like a contained situation where by bringing up the teddy bear, they were like, they're they're like yes, youth like yes, euthanasia is clearly still a thing in in this universe, but we're gonna give Bashir this motivation where it's like I must fix you because why can't I? That's very fair. I think that's a very fair reading. Peter I think maybe the episode didn't quite do that enough for me but I think you make a very right. very good point which is yeah it, it is coming from a very arrogant person and this is an episode of like here's arrogant Bashir confronted with something that he can't fix and he does and he even called himself arrogant yeah. yeah and he does technically fix it at the end but it's a long process the kind of assumption is he's never going to find an immediate cure and while well, he's cured the people, inevitably a whole generation is going to have to die terribly again. Mm-hmm. And there's just nothing he can kind of do about that. And yeah, that sometimes right. happens with medicine. There are things you can't fix sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I that's fair, true. Peter. And I, I guess you're 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 winning me over on this episode more. And again, I don't want to say like clearly I am, as you can tell, Prothean Asian. So just hit a sort of soft spot for me. Um, but beyond that i just didn't feel like it dealt with it enough in a it just dealt with it in a very weird way for me but i think you make a very mm. good point no, I'll, I'll agree with that i'll agree with that like I, I think i see what they were trying to do but i definitely definitely see where you see where you're coming from with with, with your like kind of distaste for it yeah or, but or at least have... like or, or at least pause again for it totally go on sir i have yet another theory um i think Perhaps it could have been that Bashir wasn't necessarily anti-euthanasia. It's that he was frustrated with the fact that euthanasia was the only option and no one was trying to fix the problem. Right. It was it was as though the people had just given up of like, this is our lot in life. And when we quicken, we're just going to give up and die. But there weren't any doctors on the planet trying to come up with some sort of cure they had just kind of accepted it and that was why he was so no you can't give up you have to you have to fix it because i'm a starfleet doctor and that's what we do right right all right you guys are winning me over i, I do think it's there and maybe it wasn't just 100 percent clear at least for me but 
as I said, that's absolutely, and they, they they definitely could have uh, done a, a better job of addressing that issue. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, at the very least, they made Trevain, I think, a, a more sympathetic character than he could have been if it was. So I think you've at least very much convinced me that it's probably not, at the very least, not anti-euthanasia, where it's like it, it definitely because mm-hmm. Trevain wasn't like some evil doctor murdering people because he loved it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like what you could yeah. have been. Um, <laughs> But again, those are like two scenes in a, a very good episode that I liked the rest of. Right. And to, to speak on your point, I very much enjoyed the uh, the, the story of his, his teddy bear, Kuka Kalaka. Kuka Kuka Kalaka. Kuka Laka. Kuka Which I think, Peter, you're right. It does that, that scene did work for me where it was like, okay, this is what Bashir is. He is a <laughs> at all costs kind of doctor. He is very much arrogant and driven and but sweet and tenderhearted at the at his core with this very beautiful story about this bear that he has uh, sewn together every single part back on because it is long out past its date. It should have been alive, but he still has it. Uh, which I enjoyed that little moment where she's like, oh, I threw the thing away years ago. And she's like, did you? And he's like, no, it's still in my quarters. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it. It's adorable. <laughs> Julian is a teddy bear. I still have it in my quarters. I pull it out every now and then when I'm facing a difficult time. <coughs> I need encouragement. Like, you can do this. <laughs> it's really cute. Do you feel like Bashir's, like, too overpowered? I mean, he did, even if he didn't save everything, he did cure, like, a 200-year-old Dominion engineer disease in a week. In this episode, Which... he was definitely OPS right <laughs> like he was one person mm-hmm. it was like a little bit a little bit intense for me i get the point yeah. but like it was like damn son mm-hmm. the dominion is gonna be pissed oh, about this because you because you know that like they're the they're the dominion you, you you know that they're like checking up every now and checking on this planet every now and then they just have to be yeah mm-hmm. they needed to start and learn how to draw that shit on their heads you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my no, god. it's still there, right there. Speaking of, by the way, um, I was gonna praise Michael Westmore, but this is not a Michael Westmore makeup joint because this is not makeup. This is in fact early digital compositing, which I found really which cool. Is wow. Super impressive, by Isn't the way. Cool, like they look oh, like, really oh my good god. for 1990. What, like four, 1995, something like that. That's really damn good. Right. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, digital compositing is when you have like the dots on your face. And then they use those as tracking marks to then add something to your face or take part of your face right. away, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Two Face and Dark Knight is a classic example of digital compositing. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It did a great job because, like, when it advanced, it was very creepy and very disturbing. When he like uses his tricorder to check on the guy, and like right where tricorder hits, like it all like explodes on his face. It's like, yeah. oh god, that oh, was really good. Oh, dude. So, props I knew to- it was tech that. Uh- that that made the quickening happen. I just had this feeling, like after he healed the boy, I was like, "There's something that's that's not gonna end well." And that's such right. a I don't fucking. Know why. I just isn't that such a cruel Dominion thing? They're like, eventually, some scientifically advanced civilization is gonna find these people and view pity on them. So what's gonna make it worse? Tech. Like the thing they're gonna use to try to cure yep. them is gonna kill them even harder, and they're gonna be like, "Fuck this," and leave. Like that is so cruel and awful and genius and horrible and they can never advance on their own right because right if they have tech they will die yeah, that's a great point damn <coughs> oh my god cold 
called Dominion. They gotta wait. They have to wait an entire civilization. They have, civilization. They have to wait an entire generation and like, like unearth whatever the hell they can of their past before they can start rebuilding. Because you could tell from those ruins, it's like these people used to have cities, not like oh village here, town there. No, like you, like you, you, you got the idea from from like the ruins and stuff. These people had cities like straight up like yeah. probably like big ass skyscrapers totally and yeah it's it's definitely another like good the dominion are not to be fucked with because it, it looked like earth you know what i mean it's like an earth-like society that has been right. completely decimated by them and then given this horrible horrible uh curse and uh, and as uh, as we as we learn as we learned with uh with with um Homefront and Paradise Lost, there are three changelings on planet Earth, so Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's what'll happen if here's what'll happen if we straight up refuse. Literally. <clears throat> well what before we before we leave, at least we need to mention the fun opening with Quark's merchandise. Yes. Oh my god, that was great. <laughs> I want a quark mug. <laughs> then when you turn it over, eat it, quarks. <laughs> no, no, I, no. There's I want something... a mug with Worf's face on it holding a quark mug. <laughs> the, his anger when he just came out with the mug and he's like, how did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. The... Quark has a commercial. <laughs> I love it. He has a commercial and a jingle. And merch. And merch. I want a cork mug. <laughs> we all need to buy cork mugs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was there anything else? Surely that's a real thing that exists. Oh, it exists. It's gotta be. I mean, I mean, kind of. Like, kind of. Like, not, not, not in the same way that that one, that that one looked. But it, to- it, it, it has to. I, I, I think. Uh... That shit's that shit's on Etsy. Like, come on. Oh yeah. If it's not on <laughs> Etsy, then it's nowhere. I'm doing this right now. Yep. <clears throat> Found one, or at least, or at least one that someone made. <laughs> Best in the Alpha Quadrant, Quarks Bar and Grill. Come to Quarks. Quark is fun. Come right now. Don't walk. Run. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Was there anything else Probably to say for the quickening? I knew that Ikoria was gonna die because Dax was hitting on her at the beginning. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, oh no! Like psychic. The the canary of death of our podcast. Yes. (laughs) Ah, Sarah. Oh, like see, I have notes. I have Dax is totally flirting with this girl, and then later she's gonna gonna die. die. (laughs) Oh my god. I need to Actually, point right out, after the, one right after the other. I need to point out to the people listening that she wrote she gun G O N apostrophe die. G O N apostrophe I did. Don't die. The most southern thing I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> this is why I left Texas. Uh, Sarah's southern side is just the best. <laughs> Yay. Oh, uh, Ben, I want to I, I want to point out. Um, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to do it or not or not. Uh, you you wrote you wrote in you wrote in the rundown notes. Uh, Trevian is an anagram for veteran. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, right. yeah that was and, cool. And, 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 it, and it makes total sense when it, and it makes total sense when Bashir was like, "You're like the oldest person here. 
dude. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that has been our episode. Next week, we will be discussing season four, episode 25 and episode 26, which are body parts and the season four finale, Broken Link. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.